This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. The content found on TheBestDayEver.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Hello, welcome everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gothier, and I am here with David Wolf for a very special Q&A session to talk about detoxification, Chinese herbs, and other health strategies to take your health to the next level. So Dave, thanks for joining us today. Dave, we have a lot of talk about detoxification nowadays, and there's a lot of special substances out there in nature that can really give us a quick and powerful detoxification experience. One that's talked about a lot is bentonite clay. Can you speak on bentonite clay and other detoxification substances that you found to be special or noteworthy? Okay, great. That's a great question. I mean, yeah. I actually learned about that, well, a lot about bentonite clay because of the fallout of the Arise and Shine cleanse. There's certain people who are very kapha body type or very hardy body type or pitta body type, body type. They just have a harder, you know, metabolism and stronger jing and they can handle bentonite and it's a good detoxifying clay for them. Those people who are more vata body type, very sensitive and bentonite clay is too alkaline for them. It screws up their digestive process. There are different types of clays. There are basically bentonite clays and white clays, which usually have calcium in them. They're usually calcium aluminum silicates. And then there's another class of clays, which are more red clays. Those are iron oxide types of clays and silicate clays. And those two different, those are different. This person was asking about the Aztec clay. Um, as far as I remember, that's a red clay. And so it has a different kind of, pH. It's a little bit lower pH, actually. It's a little bit more acidic, um, whereas the calcium aluminum bentonites are, are much more alkaline. And when you're dealing with the skin, the skin is acidic. Acidic clays for the skin over the white clays, like bentonite. Um, and then, you know, the clay in general, what it's doing, it's a drawing agent. So, if, you know, if people are listening right now, they're like, well, why would you even use clay at all? Well, it's a drawing agent, and it detoxifies your body of excessive toxic compounds that might be in plants. For example, when an elephant has to eat only 15 plants during a certain drought time of the year, which is usually a month out of the year in Africa, um, it actually eats a lot of clay because it has, it has to eat the same old plants over and over again, and it can build up toxic levels of the alkaloids that are in those plants. But if it eats them with clay, it doesn't. It not, doesn't get toxified. The clay neutralizes those toxins. And clay is a drawing agent for chemicals, pesticides, heavy metals, and it's used by vegetarian mammals and most mammals and even birds and um, reptiles in general, just as a part of their diet. We've all had clay in our diet. We didn't even realize it. You know, it was in McDonald's milkshakes. There's clay in McDonald's milkshakes. It's been used in, in different um, stomach soothing types of things like Pepto-Bismol and K-O-Pectate. I mean, K-O-Pectate play, right? So we, we've all had the experience of, of these things at some level, or at least we've heard of them. And they're soothing compounds, and they help to neutralize um, toxicity in our internal digestive environment. Now, the reason why I've come to favor over the years zeolite and fulvic acid is because they're much easier for most people to use. And with, when you're dealing with fulvic acid, you're dealing with 
much higher efficacy than any clay, and it, and it works for a wider group because again, certain clays like mesonite clay, it doesn't work for everybody. It's statistically, you know, not not high enough probability of working for everybody for me to really back it. Although it's a great clay and it does work for some people, but you have to have a hardy metabolism to really internally ingest that stuff as part of a cleansing program like an Arise and Shine cleanse. You know, they've used bentonite clay in that, that type of program. You know, I've learned about clay eating from way back, you know, from the days of hanging out with my friend the Wheat Man who, you know, taught me how to just order clays off the internet and, and just eat them, put them in my diet. And that's not a very easy thing for people to do. It's, it's like if certain people are going to do that, certain people are not going to do that. And I want to make sure that people get the benefits of clay eating with, and not miss it just because it's so, you know, strange and the way to do it. People have tried to bypass that by taking clays and putting them in capsules, which is a great idea. But I like the liquid fulvic acid because it's so easy. It just completely eliminates any compliance issue. Anybody can squirt that in their water, in their lemonade, in their juices, in their tea, in their smoothie, in their elixir, and it's just easier. Um, is, are zeolite as broad-spectrum effective as, like, you know, a really good quality clay? Like a, like a good quality calcium aluminum silicate. And the answer is, um, in some areas yes and in some areas no. You know, zeolites have a specific propensity to go after certain types of compounds. Calcium aluminum silicates have another propensity to go after a different category of compounds. They can be used together. That's, that's the basic feelings about clay. I mean, I think clay eating and learning about clay is an important part of your overall holistic healing program that you need to know about it, you need to be aware of it, you need to know that if a mouse is sprayed with chemicals, its immediate instinct is to eat clay, to neutralize it. That's a very important kind of idea. It's very important to realize that, you know, when we're spraying all these chemicals in the environment, the, the solution and the answer for most of us right away and immediately anywhere we are in the world is clay. And that's the, that's the, and it's free, but we, you know, we don't really know that. You know, we're not aware of it. Um, so, you know, all of those pieces put together is kind of my vi- my view of clay and its its overall value to us is indispensable. But I personally prefer for the greater population fulvic acid as like super clay that makes sense. Dave, one of our best ever members posted this question in our Ask David Wolf forum. It's about the reabsorption of toxins once they're pulled out of the body. What advice could you give on that, in particular with how it relates to milk thistle? and liver detoxification. Milk thistle is like a phase one detoxifier, and it can get the toxin out of your liver and back into your body to be excreted, but then you might reabsorb it. So you need something secondary to milk milk thistle to make it more effective. And um, that that secondary thing is N-acetylcysteine, or NAC. Basically, it's the milk thistle-garlic combo, essentially what that means. Or you can take milk thistle, um, extract and take N-acetylcysteine as a, as a supplement. That would be like the techno way of, so it's the milk thistle garlic combo or the, um, milk thistle extract with N-acetylcysteine combo or all of that. But Shizandra is actually a complete detoxifier. Shizandra completely detoxifies the liver and gets it out of your body in one go. So Shizandra is the only thing that I know of that's actually like that really a superior liver cleanser. And that's arguably why it is one of the preeminent super herbs on the earth. Okay, great advice. Another one of our best ever members posts. Dave, what's a calorie and are all calories created equal? Also, how many calories do we need? 
and does it really matter if they're fat, protein, or carbohydrates? Thanks. Okay, so, you know, the original definition of calorie is like the amount of energy required to raise cubic centimeter of water one degree Celsius or something like that. And I think what we're dealing with with um, calories in food is actually they're kilocalories. We've kind of short shortened it to calories. And they differ, obviously. The, you know, the calories in a sugar pill is completely different from the calories in a real food like, you know, like an apple. We call it. So we, we, we've come up with this term empty calories to discern the difference. But essentially what we're talking about is energy units. And energy units are a way of surviving in a particular ecosystem. If you're in the tropics, you need less energy units to survive because you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to build your body heat. If you're in a temperate region, you need more energy units. So you need more calories. And this is, this is also true of athletes. If you're like, you know, a Michael Phelps who's doing 40,000 calories a day as a, you know, a super athlete swimmer, you're in a completely different boat than somebody who just, you know, walks a dog every day. Totally different situations because it's completely different energy output going on. We're talking about a unit of energy. Um, raw foods are are great, but then the, the problem is, is like, okay, where where are the calories going to come from in terms of unit of energy? Is like, there's not a whole lot of calories in lettuce. Um, there's not a whole lot of calories in garlic. There's not a whole lot of calories in celery. We can get a lot of energy out of those things, but there's not a whole lot of like calories, you know, like energy units that are just going to fight off the, you know, the minus 20 degree cold, for example. So that's, that's how we can think about it. If we're, you know, if we really want to go for the six pack look and, you know, do that kind of thing, then we can just cut our calories down, eat, you know, lots of, or drink lots of juices, um, eat, you know, small meals of food and not, not have that much nuts or fat or cooked food and, you know, get that six pack look. But that's not necessarily going to be an appropriate way to survive in nature, you know, in a place where you have to produce a huge amount of of body heat, for example, so that, you know, the whole thing that we have in our culture of, like, you know, have to be totally, like, six-pack cut kind of thing doesn't really make sense, you know, when you're in a place like where I'm at right now. I'm in the middle of Maine, and in the winter here, it's a total, you know, if you have a, a six-pack, you don't have an ounce of fat in your body, you're going to be freezing up here. Um, if you're in Florida, great, you know, it's awesome, or you're in, you know, Costa Rica, you know, of course, no problem, you don't need to have any fat in your body, because you don't need to create that body heat. Um, when you're dealing with raw foods, what we're dealing with is generally um, sources of calories that are things like nuts and seeds. And not that many people can really digest nuts and seeds in the dosages needed to survive as a raw foodist um, today, especially with all the allergies to nuts and seeds. And so this is an area that's you know really interesting, especially for people who live in temperate climates, is you know, why do we have cooked foods? And the reason is you can take a, a potato that, um, you know, is mostly starch and cook it and turn it into a much more useful sugar energy, but has better energy sugar packets in it so that you can actually survive with that or, you know, with a yam, for example, or with, you know, some other kind of cooked food, you know, whatever it was. Let's say you took, you know, rice and you cooked it, it's going to be, you know, in most cases, uh, more calorie dense than when it was uncooked. So it's going to make it easier to produce energy to create heat to survive in a colder climate. 
And that's probably how cooking came into being. It, it increases calories. It, it also allows for food transportation, food preservation technology. For example, you can take something non-edible like a bean, um, like a legume, and you could cook it and make it edible and a calorie source. The reason why some people can be eat 100% raw and some people cannot is this, this exact issue that I'm talking about. That to produce the energy packets that you need, you know, some people need to have the food in their diet in order to produce the body heat, to produce the metabolic power, to produce, you know, enough energy to actually get, you know, go out and do what they're going to do, you know, for their day. Um, then some people will say, well, you know, can't they just transmutate it with their mind or use other, you know, forms of energy in the universe? The answer is yes, but uh, that's not available to everybody, you know, at the level, you know, that it may one day be, you know, we, you know, maybe down the road, you know, a thousand years, 10,000 years, a million years from now, we'll be in a completely different state of consciousness, all of us, where we can, you know, just transmutate the energy and live, you know, live as a breatharian if we wanted to, even in the cold, which I, I believe is totally possible, but it's not, you know, right now in the realm of, of real for a, a good probability, a good portion of the, of the group of, of us. Okay, so let's say, you know, you are up here in, in a temperate region and, you know, you're, you're eating, you know, you know, enough calories to get by. Um, but then, then what, what, where's the game being played? Well, where the game is being played is a refinement of understanding which types of calories burn well in your body and have the least amount of toxicity. And, you know, what I just said, there's a real distillation of many, of my whole career, of everything I've ever done my whole career. That, that, that's it. It comes down to that right there. You have to really refine which kind of calorie sources work for you and carry the least amount of toxicity for your body and for the environment. Our final question is, Dear Dave, I heard that you had some special insight into what Steve Jobs had done to naturally fight his cancer and some things that were missing in his approach. I know you're not a medical doctor and you cannot give medical advice, but what do you think is necessary for people to include in a cancer-fighting strategy? Okay, well, yeah, Steve Jobs was very fruit-oriented. He was um, also very starchy, carbohydrate-oriented. And um, that's a very yin type of diet and it's very cancer-promoting type of diet, uh, according to many theories of cancer, especially the, you know, the Taoist theory of cancer, which is it's a yin excess or carbohydrate excess type of condition. Um, at the same time, you know, I, who knows if he had any superfoods at all, but he, he, I know he had a little bit, but no super herbs, you know, ever. And that's most of us. I mean, this whole thing about super herbs, I mean, if you're listening to this right now, if you've gotten to this far, and you're listening to my voice right now, the, one of the strongest messages I can give to you is super herbs are not a thing to take when you're sick. It has nothing to do with, like, um, you know, I have a sniffle, I better take this, my source, my throat's sore, I better have some of this stuff. It's a lifestyle. It's something you do all the time, and you fortify your body to be so immunologically powerful that there is no possibility that you're going to get sick ever. I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about here with super herbs. This issue is so important. It is the very crux of what um, Sun Jing Park has, has been taught, you know, through his Dallas practice and what he taught Ron Teagarden, what Ron Teagarden taught truth and myself. Um, yeah, I've lived that way for 10 years, and it's the fact. I mean, you just do not get sick, period. It's impossible. It, it's so important to get that, is that you are just, your body is fortified. You're immunologically fortified. I cannot say that's true if you eat raw foods. I cannot say that's true if you eat superfoods. I can say it's true if you eat super herbs consistently, daily, as a food category. 
That's a really great point, Dave. And I think it was with one of your interviews recently with Ron Teagarden that you had done where we really, where you really brought home the point that the immune system in its connection with Chinese herbs are really the frontier of our health and that our immune system is way more than just, you know, fighting off flus and colds. It's really our main line of defense when it comes to things like disease. And this is something that we really need to be working on throughout the course of our life, not just when we get sick. And for me personally, that's what really helped to drive home the importance of making Chinese herbs, making tonic herbalism part of my daily routine. Definitely. And it's also your detoxification mechanism, 50% at least. And, you know, what the food is about is about making sure you're not toxifying yourself and just burdening yourself with, you know, tons of, you know, excess. So, you know, your mind and your immune system have to overcome that excess. So ultimately, that's what raw food is really about. Um, ultimately, what superfoods is about is about, you know, the upgrade from Flintstones chewable vitamins. It's like, you know, how do we get actual real nutrition and the right minerals that we need? That's kind of what superfoods are really about is like making sure we actually are nourished. And then, you know, super herbs are like, that's where the game is being played. That's the frontier. That's, that's like, you know, if you want to fight off cancer, if you want to make sure you never get cancer, you never even are close to ever getting sick ever. That's the area where it's going to happen is the, in this in this whole area of you know super herbs. It's that that's where you know you're going to you're going to get the immunological weaponry to make it happen. And this has all been figured out. I mean, you know, I've had people say to me they're like, the food does, you know, has no no effect on the immune system. Well, I mean, you hear every argument, and it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you look at exactly the research that's out there on on what feeds the immune system, it's polysaccharides that has figured out. It's been figured out the exact mechanism that polysaccharides in the immune system, how the immunological cells, like, you know, eosifins, macrophages of all different types, will actually cut up the polysaccharides and use that as weaponry against bacteria, viruses, fungus, whatever. It, it's all been figured out. That it's a, the research has been done. So when you're on the Internet, you'll have people make just attitude statements. They actually have no idea what they're talking about. You know, you have to be very, very careful about what's out there on the internet because it, it creates a level, a level playing field. It, and so, you know, people go out there, they're naive. They just believe what's out there until, until they're hurt. You know, this is what happens a lot in diets. You know, people will just believe like, okay, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll do, I'll eat bananas only. That's going to work for me. And then they damage their teeth and realize like, oh my God, I, now I've got it. I can't reverse it. And now, now I've created, now I've damaged myself. Um, so we have to be very, very careful about that and, and be very aware that, um, you know, people say things that it, there's no support of. Um, what we're talking about here, you know, this, this conglomeration of, you know, raw food information, organic food information, superfood information, and the super herbs and the living water is really the summation product of a very long and very arduous climb of the human race to a point where we can actually overcome illness completely in every way. And and that's really, you know, what, what this is about. That's really what the bestdayever.com is about, and that's really what, you know, my work is about. This program was brought to you by thebestdayever.com. Thanks for listening.